project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Else or Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. About 70% of our listeners listen to podcasts through their iPhone. So please pick up your device and leave our show a five-star rating and a review. You can check out Medical Coding Geek and the Not Also Classified podcast on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. You can check out our Facebook groups, including Medical Coding Geeks, the RHIA and RHIT exam support group, the CDI network, the Not Also Classified podcast group, and we also have a marketplace for HIM coding and CDI resources. And of course, you can find me, Brian Kui, last name is spelled C-U-I, on LinkedIn. So today on the podcast, we continue our conversation with Robin Sewell from HIM Analytics Solutions. Before listening to this episode, please make sure you listen to part one with Robin Sewell from last week. In this episode, we continue our conversation about 56K internet. She talks about her time working in denials and appeals. She talks about working with gray cases because sometimes they're not necessarily black or white. And then we get into how she started HIM Analytic Solutions, how she got into working with the appeals process, understanding appeals workflow, and then developing her application tool, Cleopatra Queen of the Nile. I'm going to tell you the truth. When I first did the interview, Cleopatra Queen of the Nile didn't ring to my head as far as the title. It wasn't until I was editing the first part of the episode that I finally got it. Cleopatra, Queen of Denial. A little play on words, but I finally got it. So without further ado, here is part two of my interview with Robin Sewell. Enjoy. Speaking of crashes, uh, that re- I mean, like, speak talking about this is bringing back more memories, too. And, of course, there's time when I couldn't log in. I couldn't remote into their computer. So I would have to get in my car and drive to the provider's office and figure out what was wrong, reboot mm-hmm. their system. Let's say it was on a weekend. You right. know, I, there, no one was in the office to reboot for me. So, yeah, that, that definitely. And then came some cloud-based um 
uh, billing software. So, you know, things did improve greatly. So like if (laughs) the computer froze on the other side, you couldn't get in. (laughs) You have to to go drive and reset. And you're like, why am I I even going to go home? I'm just going to be, I'm going (laughs) to do my work here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jump in my minivan, cussing all the way, you know, and then... Oh, those are crazy times. Okay, so let's talk about the, so you went from inpatient to to working in denials, right? And mm-hmm. uh, what was that like to you? You mean when I got back to the... No, you went to the dark side. Kind of briefly, kind of discuss what that, what that experience was like to you. Yeah, so um, that was, you know, I was an auditor um, doing recoveries, DRG, and also I was, I did appeals for a while, so... Um, I, you know, was able to see all sorts of denials, all sorts of appeals from that side, you know, from that side of Mm -hmm. the industry to where I am now to um, seeing all sorts of um, payer denials. So it's been it's been very enlightening to see the different um, clinical validation recoveries that they come up with and uh, um you know, and then from the payer side, seeing all of the different appeals um, that they submit, find out what 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 works and what doesn't work, mm-hmm. and and using that knowledge now in my own business is, um, you know, been the most beneficial. So you talk about appeals, like in in terms of of workflow, I, I guess you know you, you the the auditor performs the denial, it sends back to the payer, right, and then the payer responds to it and then it comes back and that's where the appeal process happens you got involved with that so you got to see um i guess the interaction you were the direct the direct contact uh interaction between uh the 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 hospital and then the the payer so you Mm -hmm. saw a bunch of those and i i'm sure uh, you know, it, it was taken on a, it probably was taken on a case by case basis. And, you know, every, every medical coding case is never black and white. <laughs> That's right. And I'm sure you're right. always looking at, at always a bunch of gray areas. Like, and then even with the gray areas, uh, I can imagine you have to like, okay, you have to weigh the, the options. Okay. Maybe they had this and maybe they had that. We'll allow this since they had that, you know, those are some of the things that you, I mean, I think working in the gray area all the time can be, can be very tedious. How, what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, it is. I mean, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the clinical validation, um, you know, when there's certain when the criteria is supposed to be what it is um sometimes it's black and white but then again like you said there are those gray areas where you kind of have to make a judgment call yeah um and uh and you want to be fair you know so it can get a little bit tedious sometimes yeah yeah and it, it also worked i mean it works also i mean it's not just on that point where um it is in terms of gray areas, it's not just the 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 connection between the 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 institution, the hospital, and the payer. It could even be from the 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 point of even an inpatient, right? So if there's a certain case and you're not ready to send it off for billing, and then you send it to your manager, and as well, you know those type of gray areas. And and to oh. me, like yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's like 
you have to do it on a case by case basis. Do we allow this code? What are some of the coding clinics that we can apply? And there's a so there's a lot of stuff to apply. You know, you're talking exactly. about your coding guidelines. You got to look at your coding clinics, and then you know the the added layer of the clinical validation does it really can be the deal breaker to me. Uh, is when you look at the, and that's why it's important for for coders to look at it from a clinical perspective because yeah. I think that's that's the deal breaker. And if it's mm-hmm. not documented appropriately, and I think that I think the intention for for the for the institution, the hospital is there, but they just missed it. Like you know, the documentation is not, is not clear, and, right. and for some reason, the, I think the physicians need to get on board and needs to understand the importance that they have to document very thoroughly uh, Mm -hmm. in order for us to get the best idea because they think it's just a communication tool between physicians. No, everybody's looking at it, you know, and if we have a certain question on it, if something's missing, um, boy, (laughs) it can it can create those gray areas and those gray areas, unfortunately, uh, because it's all said and done, you know, it's it's in the hands of people that are not the physician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's no longer, yeah, like you said, it's it's not optional because of the the landscape of of denials and appeals. It's not an option. They have to really document very thoroughly, and um, CDI and coding need to be really a um, a collaborating team mm-hmm. to make sure that what gets reported tells the the true story you know, of the patient work together and, uh, you know, learn from each other. Because as we know, the coders know their coding guidelines real well, and the CDI know the clinical aspect, but there's no reason why those, those two, those, you can't get skills from both places, you know, and it's just, it's, it takes time, but it, you know, it takes, uh, you know, also a willpower or desire to do that, but to know that, you know, that's what it takes to, to really tell the story of the patient yeah. and to avoid as many denials as you can if you know from the inpatient side right. i do uh, i've been doing a presentation um on bridging the gap between uh, cdi and coders and you you mentioned that we have to work together and and for those that are listening if you want to hear it invite me to your meeting but i, I really share you know how i got from working in cdi and then from CDI, but the thing is, when I got into CDI, I had no coding experience. I had no clinical experience. I had nothing. And uh-huh. and but but I what I figured out though is in order for me to to progress in CDI, I need to get my coding game first. You know, I had to understand the inpatient, so uh-huh. I had to cross over the line and be right. an inpatient coder for a short period of time. And kind of understand that process, and so you really have to, as a I don't if, you don't I don't even know what you want to call yourself, just just a, a, a CDI coding professional or revenue cycle, whatever professional, mm-hmm. you have to understand the full aspect, you know, the whole the whole spectrum, the scope exactly. of it all, uh, in order for you to because like if you want to be an auditor, you can't just know coding, you can't just mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't just know CDI, you can't just know clinicals, you have to put it all together. Because right. when you, like we just mentioned, when you're in that gray area, you put in mm-hmm. one layer. Okay, it meets that. Okay, next layer. Does it meet that? But if you don't know that next layer or you ne- know that the following layer, then it's going to mm-hmm. be difficult. Then you're going to be stuck in that gray area. It's really hard. Yeah. You know, it gets very complex. And it might be an education um, when we go back 
going back to the basics when you learn coding mm -hmm. um this sh might should be emphasized more to understand you know the clinical side of things um because there's so many that have that mindset of if it's documented i'm going to code it you know and um i don't know if that's something that can be retaught or not i think it not, not really retaught yet well there's a well, it depends on, I guess, the person, you know, or yeah. whoever needs to receive the education. Maybe they need to be retaught uh, or maybe they need to have an extra added education on top of what they know so that mm -hmm. they have, again, the, the different layers, you know, so that the way they could add on to it, you know, and, and kind of progress and kind of see like, you know, maybe they've done coding and they've done it that certain way, but they've never received any education or feedback from somebody who gives their point of view. And I think that's right. important. It's like, you know, most institutions you know, I've worked for an institution for 12 years, right? Mm -hmm. And that's all I knew <laughs> was right. that institution of policy. But when I got into, you know, working in denials, you see nationwide, you know, and you it, see it, everything. And it's like, yeah. and, and the reason why you see these uh, LinkedIn posts from people who say, oh my God, it's so bad. Really, it's bad. I mean, when you look at the national yeah. landscape versus what your institution does, and and in, and somehow working for an institution, you can be very biased. You know, yes, we're mm -hmm. great, we're great, we're wonderful. But then, when you look at it compared to the bigger landscape, <laughs> it's it's yeah. really yeah. it's really bad. All right, so let's go into uh, from working to the light side, going to the dark side, and then you went back into the light side. So right. from there, you started, did you just go ahead and when you, when you left the dark side in denials, you wanted to go back to the inpatient side. And so did you decide right then and there that you want to develop your own business, HIM Analytic Solutions? Well, so what happened is um, I got um, a contract. So I was doing denials for a facility mm -hmm. in New York State. And that was really my first time seeing you know, because like, I don't really feel like the, um, the the denials that the hospitals receive are well planned for. Um, it see, almost seems like they're an afterthought. They're not really part. Are of you the talking revenues. about from the from the facility? Like they they don't yes. plan ahead for it. Right. In other words, uh, they're just kind of an afterthought. You know how you have all this technology for, um, you know, for the pre revenues, you know, or the you know, um, oh, the words are failing me now, but registration, you mm -hmm. have all the, you have technology for billing, you have technology for CDI, for coding. There was really, there's really nothing for denials. Mm -hmm. So um, I, that was exciting to me because I, whenever I see a problem, I like to develop a solution. I, I like to, um, you know, be efficient in my workflow. Right. So that's um, when I decided to come up with this tool um, that would be able to track the types of denials and then that data could be leveraged from a CDI perspective right. and a coding perspective mm -hmm. and make improvements. And so um, in, in not just as tracking and trending for, you know, data analytics, but also to actually make um, uh, like a module where you could submit an appeal directly from from the tool. So that's how I developed the Cleopatra 
queen, queen of, of denial. denial. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so before before the 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 Cleopatra queen of denials, what, how were you doing the how are you doing the appeals and denial oh, process? So, so when I went into this facility to see how they were doing it, it was um, very very antiquated and cumbersome. So everything. Um, the letters were there wasn't any templates so the people that were working the denials were just writing what they thought that they should write free text and yeah free texting and and saving them in like three different places on their hard drive you know on their desktop Mm -hmm. and then they would have to enter data into all of these different spreadsheets and into all of these different computer programs so um it it was really it was really taxing and the productivity was really really low and the success the overturn rate i mean they weren't they weren't appealing nearly enough so they were losing a lot of money and um it was all because of the workflow mm-hmm. it just it it wasn't um efficient at all let's take a moment for a quick break The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned Talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, talent.com, and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. And now back to our show. So that's when, uh, you know, I says, well, let's see if, you know, you, you did this, you did this and that. And, you know, and so I just started designing it and um, made, created some templates for them. So mm-hmm. based on the most common recovery, so you'd have respiratory failure template, AKI template and mm-hmm. so on. So all you'd have to do is grab your template, um, plop the information in there from the medical record and send it on its way. Um, so the productivity was able to be increased, you know, uh, quite a bit and, um, the overturn rates were a lot, a lot better. Uh, so I guess for the audience, 
when you talk about um, the workflow, and I think time is of the essence, right? So, um, right. when usually thirty days. There you, you go. Have. That was my question. So when when they when when an institution or hospital receives a denial letter, how long do they have until they can, or how long do they have before they can, or how long do they? How many days that they have to respond? That's, I guess, and you mentioned that 30 days. Usually 30. It depends on the payer and the contract. Sometimes it's 45 days. Sometimes um, there's some of the Medicaid products. And that's just one. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, you get a whole ton of them at once. Okay. You know, you get a... And there's so many different companies out there that perform these audits that Mm. you're getting them via fax, you're getting them via email, Mm -hmm. you're getting them via snail mail. And and another one of the problems I identified there was that um, the PFS people were getting um, some in the snail mail and they weren't making it to the revenue cycle team in time because I don't know what they were doing with them if they were just filing them somewhere. So there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't a mechanism for communicating um, with with all of the team to find out what was happening to these denials, what the implications were if you didn't appeal in a time, if they didn't receive them in a timely manner. So um, that's another thing I incorporated oh into Cleopatra was an activity um, uh, module, if you will, to for as a form of communication. So there's a lot involved to it, and 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 that's what I mean, like by an afterthought. I mean. You know, when a patient's in-house, you have what, after they're discharged, they want the bill dropped right away, right? Mm -hmm. Three to five days or something like that. There's protocol for everything, for CDI, right? There's metrics, there's KPIs, there's this and that. But for the denials, there is nothing. Um, So I wanted to make sure that there was policies and procedures and a process in place that was going to be effective yeah when, when i look at it when i look at the the appeals process for the hospital it it, it, it reminds me of the release of information process <laughs> you know? oh that's funny you yeah. know so like uh my next guest after you i'm, I'm i actually have um a, somebody who's in release of information which i have a ton of questions about uh mm-hmm. but when i think about the appeals process mirroring the release of information because basically it's the same thing they receive like you know again letters faxes emails from lawyers from Mm -hmm. uh doctors tons of doctors from you know again the the uh the auditors and then they have to process it but i've i've always you know in in my time at cdi whenever i walked into the office i was always look you know i said good morning to all of the release of information people because they they were there as i walked inside and I noticed, you know, and I listened to them because they were behind me and I would mm-hmm. listen to them as, oh, you got to track it. Make sure you could track it. Make sure you identify the patient. Um, and it's, it's again, you have to take the take the letter, f- track it, find the patient, gather the specific <laughs> the specific oh, yeah. date that they're asking for and then have that ready. And then from there, that's that's the I guess the tracking point. Like even in Amazon, like okay, it's been received. Okay, mm-hmm. so then right. how do you know it's been received? And then from there, you perform the audit. Was the audit performed? What's the status of it? You know, was there a final decision? You know, I'm just talking about like some of the metrics that or some of the statuses that you might want to think of in the appeals process. Has it been reviewed? What's the decision? Uh, mm-hmm. What's the action? And then even that, when you send it back to them. 
you got to send it back again because I'm sure you know the, you have to wait for their decision, and it's a time-consuming process. What's their decision after that? Did they right. accept it? Did they deny it? Why did they deny it? And I'm sure they give you another uh, opportunity uh, right. to do it again. <laughs> so so much. Yeah. Usually, um, at least two levels. Some payers give you three. Mm-hmm. Oh um, wow, they give so, you an opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah. So, so, yeah, uh, there's a lot to it. And, uh, you know, so that's why it's important to have have some, you know, workflow that really works. And that is and it's not just a workflow that it's going to drive some solutions so that you can prevent some of this. Um, So what I also did with Cleopatra, I also I made um, the module for um, a second level review. Mm. So um, it's it has a lot of CDI metrics too, like, um, okay. you know, um, and it, if there was a query on the chart and it still, you know, there was still a denial um, on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen it, those. Yeah. So um, there's, you know, it, it's just something that has to be done because um, there's just too much, too much money at stake now. You know, and, I, and, and I've talked to, I've went to, um, in 2019, the Actis conference, right? And I've had an opportunity to talk to some people who are in the the appeals process, and it's usually one person, right? Yeah. One person who does it, the a coordinator. The yeah. coordinator, right? One person who does it. And, yes. And, like, again, when you think about it, it should mirror the release of information. And can you imagine how many release of information people are there processing and sending out those claims but then when you look at the appeals process it's only one person that's ridiculous yeah. you know because when you look at the the volume i'm sure it's not the same volume as release of information but it mm-hmm. shouldn't at least be one person unless that hospital is really good <laughs> but the well or it's really small i mean yeah. if you, the, the bigger health systems they they should have a whole t- team really yeah. because mm-hmm. and it should they should have regular meetings between you know, between those that are doing the denials and the CDI and the coding people, you know, to say, hey, this is what we're seeing, you know, um, how can we improve? Uh, so that's the whole purpose of some of these metrics, too, is how can we pre- improve? How can we prevent it? Yeah, because I think what what your what your software does, and by the way, if you need a demo, please reach out to her on LinkedIn, and I'll I'll put all of the information on there. She showed me the demo, and it's great. Uh, I think what I, the takeaway that I got uh, from her demo is is as when you implement the the program or the software that you use the program. Uh, it's going to gather that information. I think, the again, the data, the information that it gathers, it's going to be golden because, you know, through spreadsheets, <laughs> through, mm-hmm. through Excel spreadsheets, oh, you're not going to extract anything. You're just going to look at, you know, yes, no, numbers, whatever it may be, uh, mm-hmm. decisions. But it's nice to see it on, on something that's visual, like a pie chart mm-hmm. that you see there. Uh, you could mm-hmm. see, you know, the, con- the the most common conditions that are being uh, denied and appealed. Um, you know, and, and I think that the most important thing is that if you can streamline that process, right, which you're, 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 what you do, uh, right. I think, again, shortening the time frame, it, it helps. The same thing with CDI. I think the problem is you know, people get so much into the metrics, the mm-hmm. KPIs, that they're they're so they're so strung up on it that they cannot make any 
decisions or make any actions because they're so strung up on it. And so because you're so strung up on it, you have to free yourself from that in order to make some type of action. So like in your case, your software helps free up a lot (laughs) based upon what you said. So that way, I think ultimately in the end, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, letting the people who were involved, may it be the CDI, may it be the coder, and even the physician. I think that's oh, that's right. the biggest thing too. And so some of the stuff that can come out is a lot of education, a lot of, hey, this is what you did wrong, or, you know, here's some of the patterns that you've had. And, and then from there, you can correct them, like a quality aspect process, you can correct them, educate, mm-hmm. and then just implement and just redo that process again. Right. Right. Yeah. There's no reason to repeat the same mistakes when you've got the data, you know, and God, we trust everybody else or bring data. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Right. And things I, I've not, I have not seen any, you know, software or processes like yours. So, you know, it would be great that it's going to be, uh, you know, shared out there with people who are in the appeals process. I mean, for real, if you're, <laughs> if if you're doing appeals on your own, you know, you're like, hey, you're doing the appeals and you, you're stuck on your process. This will definitely help you out. I've checked it out. And it's 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 amazing. So please check her out. Anyways, yeah. um, anything else you want to add? I think I've asked enough. We're already at an hour. Just just to let you know. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I I don't think so. No? I mean. Okay. Unless you can think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of questions. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, so, I think that's it. So let's uh, let's go on to the last two questions, and okay. uh, it's been over an hour. So thank you, uh, Robin, okay. for being part of the podcast. Uh, it's an interesting conversation, you know. Uh, we talk. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of conversations on CDI, clinical validation, denials, but I think this this discussion on appeals, especially for those that are in appeals, what does your? I guess my question to them is, what does your process look like? <laughs> Yeah, because if I'd like to know, that I'd like too. to know, too. Yeah. I mean, that's a great yeah. discussion. Um, and maybe that's a good, you know, you hear, you know, medical coding, you hear HIM, you hear release of information, you hear CDI. But I don't hear enough about appeals. Like, what's right. that process like? It's not as big as as what it is. As you mentioned, it's like an afterthought. It should be a new. Up, I, mean, I don't know if it's new, but it's like. It should be, you know, yelled on top of the mountains, you know, like, hey, it appeals mm-hmm. is important, you know, right? and, right. and there, you know, it, I think the, the, there's a good demand for it. That's the reason why there's not that many people, because there's, yeah. <laughs> and I think that if you're looking at it now, if you're trying to get into appeals, I mean, this is a perfect time to do it. You know, when, when I first started CDI, <laughs> it was just starting, you know. And and for those that are looking for a new avenue, I think appeals is is a big avenue for it because because like yeah, you know it is. you saw you you saw the the progression. I think I think back in two thousand nine two thousand ten, that's when the rack auditors the rack the recovery audit program came about, and then mm-hmm. everybody went crazy because it went from CDI to recovery audit program. People wanted to become rack auditors, right? And then yeah. slowly after that, then, okay, what about the appeals? And so you hear some like, okay, there's we're opening a position for an appeals or a denials coordinator. But then it's not like it's not like, like it's important. Like they want somebody from the tip of the top, you know, the, 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 the creme de la creme to uh, handle that. But because mm-hmm. they're, I think, you know, a lot of people who, grow, who move up in the ranks, you know, they're, they're not, it's something new. They don't know how to build it from the ground up. 
And I think right. now it's such a young process for many institutions. <laughs> and, exactly. so, and, and so um, I think you're on the forefront here. You got something happening here. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy that It's not that going you... anywhere. Yeah, it's not. The, no, it's, it's not. Been... And I think I think it's not it's not a matter of competition, but I think it's it's a matter of like there's a need for it. Like like people who are doing the appeals, they need the help. But in order right. for them to free up the time, you need to have the right technology in place mm-hmm. to make that happen. Unfortunately, got to have the tools. Right? Yeah, you got to yep. have the tools. That's right. You can't have Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> it can only take you. No, so can't. Far. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, garbage in, garbage out. Right. All right. So again, thank you for being on the podcast. I'm gonna go thank ahead you and. Thank uh, no, You're welcome. Uh, go ahead and with the last two questions. Uh, the first, oh, first of the last questions is, what does the future hold for you? Well, this Cleopatra Queen of Denial is just um, my vision for the future of helping providers, uh, hospitals out there, like you said, that are trying to build build a program and trying to be more effective in their appeals process. Um, so that is what I'm looking forward to in the long term. And I'm just continue to make revisions and improvements mm-hmm. as I, um, you know, follow along in the industry and hear what um, CDI what the needs are from a CDI perspective, what the needs are from uh, denials and appeals perspective, and and coding, and, and I just continue to make those um, those revisions and refine it so it can be, you know, a really effective tool. Yeah, and I, I wish you the best with the, with the software. It's it's great. I mean, again, thank you. Um, she showed me the demo. The first thing in order for <laughs> the first thing, the first thing that we did first before this podcast, she invited me uh, to the demo. I'm like, OK, cool. I mean, that's great. And so she showed me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So um, yeah, thank you. I yeah, think, I've had a few doctors look at it and they love it. Yeah. So. The, the information that you'll, you will see there, it's, it's pretty eye opening, but it's nice just to see it you know, versus mm-hmm. an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, it's hard to make decisions again on Excel spreadsheets. So again, if you listening to this, please book a demo. Uh, yeah. It'll be eye opening. All right. So my last question is, what is your best word, words, words, best words of ad- advice for our audience? Well, if you've been listening, you can see that I've kind of bounced around, you know, finding my niche, my niche, if you will. Um, but to do that, I had to just continue to learn. I had to, you know, I get several certifications, several different courses, and it just never stopped learning. And um, in whatever your background is, like I, you know, I didn't have a lot of opportunity for education growing up. And, um, but I was fortunate enough to make a success of my life on um, with the you know, learning coding. So don't let anything hold you back. Um, you know, whether you what whatever your background is, um, don't be afraid to just keep plugging away until you find what you're looking for and where you feel like you're being the most successful in that role. Just keep going at it. So there you have it. That completes my interview series with Robin Sewell. Thank you, Robin, for being on the podcast. You could check out Robin by going to LinkedIn. You could check out our company, HIM Analytics Solutions, by going to himcoders.com. From there, you could schedule a demo to check out her tool, the software tool, Cleopatra Queen of the Nile.
RadioCallingGeek.com. I listened to a lot of podcasts, and one product that I was curious to try out was Magic Spoon cereal. Magic Spoon is the high-protein, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, wheat-free, naturally flavored, totally delicious, childlike cereal for grown-ups. Now you're probably thinking that it tastes like cardboard. I did my research on similar cereals and decided to give this brand a try. I subscribed to the variety pack that includes frosted, fruity, blueberry, and chocolate. And really, to my surprise, they really tasted great considering that it was supposed to be a healthy cereal. So far, my favorite is the fruity flavor. They also have nutty and cinnamon flavors too. I've already tried the variety pack for a couple months now and swapped out my subscription to try out their cinnamon flavor. Magic Spoon has zero sugar, three grams net carbs, and 11 grams of protein per serving. They have a 100% happiness guarantee. If you are not completely in love with their cereal, they'll give you a full refund. So go to magicspoon.com and use our coupon code GEEK at checkout. Again, go to magicspoon.com and use our coupon code GEEK, G-E-E-K, at checkout.